Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the McMaster's Communications Governance Observatory podcast. My name is Samantha Naidu, and for this episode, we will further be exploring the topic of social media bots, but in a political context. To speak more on the topic, we have Dr. Elizabeth Dubois, an expert researcher in political uses of digital media and an assistant professor at the University of Ottawa. So Dr. Torek provided a really thorough background on what social media bots are exactly and their uses, both positive and negative, but more in a general context. So I was thinking maybe we could build off of that and focus a little more on the election side of things and start off with what exactly does using a social media bot in an election context um, manifest as? Great question. There's a bunch of different ways that social media bots can be used in election contexts. Uh, in a report that Fenwick McKelvey, who's at Concordia University, and I wrote, we identified four different types that we saw during the 2015 federal election. So we saw amplifiers and dampeners and servants and transparency bots. Um, so maybe I'll just kind of give a quick rundown of what each of those four are. The amplifiers are ones that amplify messages. They make a message that somebody else has already sent out louder than it would have otherwise been or more salient, more likely to be seen by other people. And so there you could imagine an amplifier bot being put to good use to say, it's voting day, go cast your ballot. Or to not so great use, amplifying messages that contain disinformation or that try and push people out of the political space. Then we've got dampeners, which are essentially the opposite. They are bots that try and push messages away or hide messages. So dampener bots might uh, do something like find people who are on Twitter talking about a particular issue and make it really difficult for them to express their opinion by flooding them with all kinds of nasty messages or uh, trying to tell them that they think their idea is really dumb, right? And so these dampener bots can be used to push people away and to hide messages. Another way that happens is when a hashtag is being used to organize maybe a protest or a rally and bots come in and start to use that hashtag and fill it with all kinds of junk so that it's no longer a very useful organizational tool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So those are the two that I think get the most attention and are probably the most, uh, have the most potential for good or bad in kind of big extreme ways they could vary. There's also, I think, worth noting these two other kinds of bots that are really helpful, particularly during an election period. One are what we've been calling servant bots. And these are bots that basically do tasks humans would normally do, but they do them way better and way faster. So something like posting the same content on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter all at the same time. Tedious for a human. Humans make mistakes when they're tired in the middle of an election but a bot's going to do it perfectly every single time. And that saves resources and is pretty helpful. We see similar bots like that used by a lot of media organizations because anytime somebody decides to share an article that they read on a news, like an online news site, they can just click a tweet this button 
and it automatically gets shared. Or anytime a new news item is added or an update's added to a story, that news feed will also update their Twitter feed to say, oh, hey, there's been an update. Those are really, really helpful, particularly when we're talking about current affairs issues like elections, where information just starts being generated at a crazy pace. Mm -hmm. So I guess you kind of spoke on that a little bit earlier, but um, politically, what are the impacts that social media bots can have positive and negative? And I guess what would make a social media bot successful, so to speak, in information dissemination? Yeah, so some of these really useful ones, we can tell that they've done a good job because they're getting information out to a wider audience, right? So not everybody who is on the online news website is going to be on Twitter and not everybody who's on Twitter is going to go directly to that website. And so when you have a tool that helps you share the information across these different platforms to these different audiences, that's super helpful. There's also transparency bots, which do a really good job of making available complex data and complex information that otherwise people would just never see. So the wiki edits bot is a good example. It tweets every time an anonymous edit to Wikipedia is made from a government of Canada IP address. And so, yeah, that data is available technically, but in reality, most people aren't combing through Wikipedia edits to figure out who's making them. Uh, right. So those are some really cool ways that it can be positive. I also, you know, mentioned the idea of amplifying a get out the vote message. That's really helpful. And we would know that it's working because we could see lots of people sharing that message. We could track it through social media data if it's publicly available, at least. Uh, and we could potentially see more people out at the polls. The tricky bit is the more nefarious uses of social media bots. They're a, har a lot harder to track and potentially detrimental in ways that we just won't even be able to measure. So a bot that's trying to be used for voter suppression to try and tell people to go to the wrong polling station or to try and make people believe that their vote doesn't matter, those kinds of tools and tactics are illegal and so usually are done as under the radar as possible. And it's just really difficult for us to know when that's happening. And I had a question about the federal election, but considering all the controversy that's surrounding Doug Ford, I was wondering if social media bots played a role in his campaign to become premier. Yeah, so... Fenwick McKelvey, who's at Concordia, as I mentioned, and I did a small case study looking at the Conservative Party um, leadership race. So when Ford was still trying to become leader, and we saw there was a few examples of bot-like behavior. One of the tricky bits here is bots and humans are two categories of Twitter account, for example, but then there's the in-between which is becoming increasingly common. So an account that sometimes has automated posts, but sometimes has posts that are written out by humans. And it's pretty difficult to tell when that is the case. And it's even more difficult for us to think about whether or not that is 
you know, a legitimate use of a communication tool or whether that's something that might threaten democracy. We haven't done analysis of the current debates in the Ontario legislature, and we haven't done analysis yet of the data that we collected during the actual provincial election. So I can't talk to that specifically. But what I can say is across the board, all different political parties are trying to figure out the best ways to make use of social media and automation and political bots are not going anywhere. These parties and non-political parties, but other third-party organizations, as we like to call them in, in our electoral speak, like civil society groups, charities, NGOs, unions, they're all going to try and make use of the communication tools they have available to them as best as they can. That's their job. So specifically pertaining to the upcoming federal election, do you think bots will be playing a much larger role in influencing the outcome? Now, that's where it gets tricky because, yes, I think more people and more organizations are going to be experimenting with automation and political bots. Whether or not it's going to affect the outcome, that's a question that we just don't know because the way these these bots are being created and the way that they are applied and received by the public is just so uncertain. It's such an emerging practice that we don't really know how it's going to go. What we do know is that people are going to be experimenting with it. And so we need to be aware of what's happening and try to measure the effects. But it's really difficult to predict the actual impact on the outcome at this point. Okay. And then I guess building right off of that as a final question, I was wondering if there were any steps that you think that should be taken by the government, platform regulators, or even the public to ensure the most like transparent, informed education for voters? Absolutely. So there's a few things that can be done. Uh, and like you said, there's a bunch of different kind of actors who have to be involved here. So one thing is, I think that we need to have something of a code of conduct for how automation is going to be integrated into political campaigns. I think political parties need to make very clear when they're using automation, when they're creating these political bots, and for what purposes. That helps us educate the public on the fact that this type of practice is happening, and it helps the public understand why and to what end. And it also helps us understand which bots are the good, useful ones and which ones are the potentially problematic ones and gives parties something of a, hey, look, I told you what I was doing. That bot that you just found isn't me. I've been upfront and transparent from the get-go. And so it helps us figure out who's responsible for what. It's imperfect, but it's a good start. I think that we could also have something more uh, formal in the Elections Act or in related legal approaches to dealing with this. So rather than just asking the political parties to voluntarily offer up information about what they're doing, we could have something like a political bots or automation registry, the same way we now have a robocall registry. You might remember the robocall scandal where automated telephone calls were used to send people to the wrong polling place. Well, we could imagine bots being created for a similar purpose. The response to that issue was, okay, 
automated phone calls are allowed, but you have to tell us when you're using them and you have to actually register it. And if we catch anybody using that tool without registration, there are very serious implications. Those were all the questions that I had for today. Thank you so much, Dr. Dubois, for sharing your wisdom and intelligence. This was a very educational episode. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this month's episode of the McMaster Communications Governance Observatory podcast. For more episodes, please visit cgo.mcmaster.ca. See you next month.